0: Hey everybody, this is Pastor Todd, and you're listening to the Grace Community Church Sermon Podcast. Well, listen, I love you. I'm so glad to get to preach uh, to you this morning and for you, and in some ways with you. Uh, Your response to me as we work our way through the text is so important, even behind those masks. I can sense when you're with me. I can sense when the Spirit is working in your heart. So thank you for taking the time to come and help me preach, and thank you to those of you who are watching online. We're almost done with uh, exodus and uh, that means it's almost easter oh yes i'm supposed to remind you uh, you have a little time left to sign up for our easter services we'll be having a good friday service here at grace downtown 6 p.m on good friday and then two easter sunday morning services one here at 9 a.m and one at Grace North at 11 a.m. And registration has been open since the 15th. So I don't know how many seats are left. We can do about 135 in here plus team, and up north we can do about 70 plus team. So uh, obviously, in a normal year, we would see four or five hundred people for Easter. So uh, this year it's not going to be the same. So if you would like to be here with us physically, make sure you register soon. I'm uh, hoping to help you take 12 steps to freedom this year with the first. 12 chapters in Exodus. Week one, we took step one, which is to remember that God's hand is upon you. Step two is to remember that God is involved, that he hears, he remembers, he sees, he knows. Week three, I encourage you to take step three, which is to listen and let it happen, to act as if God is the action hero. Week four, I urge you to consider taking step four, which is to let your belief lead you into action. Step five is to dig deep, Because as you know, life tends to get more difficult before it gets easier. Step six is to remember that God promises we obey. That's the natural order of things. He promises we obey. Step seven is connected to step six. The more you obey, the easier life gets. Maybe you can think of a moment in your life when that was true. It's risky to preach a step like that because people would think, that can't be. That doesn't sound real. But I know that you've experienced it because I have experienced it. The more we bend the knee to Jesus, the easier life gets. It doesn't mean life is always easy, but the easier it gets. Step eight, choose wisely. Step nine, you are the problem, I am the problem. That was one of my favorite weeks. And uh, step 10, last week, am I walking in darkness or in the light? This week I wanna urge you to consider taking step 11, which is to make a plan And stick to it. I like this one. I get everything in today's sermon out of Exodus chapter 11. Here it is. It's a short one. It's almost a coda. The big chapter is next week, chapter 12, with the Passover and the Exodus. So we're moving towards that with chapter 11. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one more plague I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. In the original, it's not actually jewelry, it's articles. So it's not just rings or necklaces, it could have been household articles, articles of silver and gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. So Moses said, Thus says the Lord, about midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt. you and all the people who follow you, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. I found uh, 12 things to help you stick to the plan in Exodus 11, 12 things. I never assume that all 12 are for each one of you, but hopefully at least one of them comes to life in your heart in a meaningful way. 12 things to help you stick to the plan out of Exodus 11. First thing, tune your hearts to the voice of God because he speaks a lot. I've mentioned this a couple times, but this is kind of the last time I get to mention this in this series. I want you to think about how many times the chapter started with thus says the Lord, or and then the the Lord said, or the Lord said to Moses. Sometimes an obvious point gets forgotten. We gloss it over. We get used to it. We forget it. So let me just point out how conversational God has been throughout this story. It's literally like the whole story is an ongoing conversation between God and his friend Moses. God is conversational. He speaks a lot. Are you listening? This is an experiment I've invited my congregations to do for almost all of my ministry career. I know that you come into seasons where you feel like God is silent. When you are in a season like that, I want to invite you to up the ante, to demand of the Lord that he speak, right? Remember the scripture teaches us that sometimes we have not because we ask not. And sometimes when we ask and we have not, we have not because we ask amiss that we might spend it on our pleasures. If your child asked you to speak to them a little more often, would you be able to resist? I don't think so. Like whoever said to their child, you know, Dad, I really would like to have a few more conversations with you. And I'm sure there's some nasty parents who would turn a deaf ear to that. But we know that God is not a nasty parent. So next time you find yourself in a season of silence, just ask, ask the Lord. Lord, would you speak to me? Because God is conversational. He will. I want to invite you, especially if I'm talking to you today, to consider uh, changing your name to Samuel. Not literally, of course. But this is a thing. I have uh, friends who've emigrated to Israel, and it's a thing if you are a Jewish North American and you emigrate to Israel to often change your name. So someone whose name was Jeremy moves to Israel and changes his name to Ze'ev, much stronger, cooler name. Ze'ev means wolf. I was like, yeah. I like to name myself wolf. And one of my friends who did this actually referred to his North American name as his slave name. When he made Aliyah, he moved back to Israel with his family. He changed his name to his Yahweh name, Zeev. Maybe you want to change your spiritual name to Samuel, Shamael, has heard the Lord. Or perhaps you could change the posture of your heart to Shamael, Shmuel. I have heard the Lord. What is Samuel most famous for saying? More than all his prophecies, more than all his pronouncements of woe, he's most famous for saying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Tune your heart to the voice of God because he speaks a lot. Isn't this good this morning? Are you feeling the comforting presence of the Holy Spirit already? I certainly am. Listen to God and expect the intensity of your life to keep ratcheting up. That's point number two. I get this out of verse 1, the second part of verse 1. You should see it there on screen behind me. God is here talking about what he's about to do. Yet one more plague I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. One more plague. This is kind of a pattern in the story of God and his people. He likes to ratchet up the intensity. I didn't even work very hard at this. I just thought about some of the biblical heroes. Thought about Noah. Remember the story of Noah? And how God (laughs) ratchets up the intensity in that story? God is like a dog on a bone. You're like, that's disrespectful. No, it's not. God invented dogs and bones. It's like a dog on a bone. He won't let go. He tends to keep squeezing until he gets what he wants. You've been warned. Abraham, same thing. Ruth, same thing. <laughs> the Apostle Paul, same thing. Saul, Saul, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. The prophet Jonah, same thing. What a fool, right? Remember his story? He's a fool until you think about yourself, and then you're like, oh yeah, that's me. Sitting under that plant whining. <laughs> and what's God doing while we whine? He's squeezing. I just I'm, I'm here to help, right? I'm trying to help you remember. Sometimes you feel squeezed because you are being squeezed by the most high, and he tends to keep squeezing till he gets what he wants. So my pastoral suggestion to you today is to quickly bow the knee, buckle your seatbelt, and get ready for fireworks right Because uh, faith is not a vacation it 's an adventure. It really is. I know i 'm like a broken record, but If your life is boring, staid, and predictable, there's room for you to go a little deeper with the Holy Spirit. There's room for you to go a little deeper in your journey of faith. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. What do you want me to do today, Lord? Have I gotten too safe, too comfortable? Faith ain't a vacation. It's an adventure. Treat it that way. And point number three, remember that um, this is beautiful. Victory is not a question of if. Victory is a somebody shout in this house. Victory is a question of when. Right? It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Verse 1c When he lets you go. I mean, somebody say hallelujah. You notice that word? One simple word. You can preach a whole sermon on this one simple word. When he lets you go. He will drive you away completely. When he lets you go, when your breakthrough comes. You ever seen uh, people who are hearing impaired in church? Seriously, not at me, you ever seen them? This, This is how they praise the Lord. They can't shout, so they wave their hands. Sometimes they shout anyway, it's one of the most beautiful things you'll ever hear. A lot of the big churches I watch to make sure that we're not slipping. They have a section typically over to the right and they have their uh, sign language experts sitting right up on the stage in worship, signing. And you have the whole section over to the right of people who are dealing with hearing impairment. And you should see those. I, I just can't keep my eyes off of that section because the worship coming out of that section would put the rest of us to shame. Hallelujah. When your breakthrough comes. I stumbled on a rhema word. If you don't know what a rhema word is, look it up. I stumbled on, well, I can tell you with the live audience, a rhema word is when you're reading your Bible and God speaks to you in a particular way. You feel like that's for me today. It's like the, the words come up off the page and punch you right in the throat. Is that how it feels to me. Maybe they'd come up off the page and give you a big hug. I mean, it's an equal opportunity preacher here. But for me, it feels like God whooped me upside the head. A rhema word. That's for me today, that's God talking to me today. So I stumbled on a rhema word in my devotions from the summer of 2018. So when I get a rhema word, I actually make a note in the margins of my Bible, I write the date and what it's about so that when I come back to it, I can see if God has done what he said he'd do. Somebody say hallelujah. So here's the thing about that rhema word from 2018. It hasn't come true yet, but I am beginning to see the first cracks of sunshine on that rhema word. So the teachable point here is hold on when, when he lets you go. It's coming. Your redemption is coming. And when he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. You know what that is in the Hebrew? Drive you away is the word for divorce. When he lets you go, yegaresh is the word. Yegaresh, he will divorce you completely here's the teachable point when receive it okay when god redeems you you are divorced from your old life so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to god in christ jesus romans 6 11. so simple question for you to consider today um are there any vestiges from your old life that you need to divorce yourself from today Might be one, two, three things. It's not always like cardinal sin type things, right? Every teenager hears that as, oh, I need to get off the internet or I need to stop. You know, like everyone hears these classic garden variety sins. It might be much more insidious than that, especially the older you are, the longer you've walked with Jesus, the more dulled your senses have become to the lost places that still persist in your heart. So I just say that to remind you that there might be something you need to, somebody, shout. You might need to divorce yourself from something this week. So do it. Do it. Walk away from death and walk into life. Hallelujah. I'm becoming more and more of a fan in my old age of saying, look, I am not interested at all in trying to make bad people good. I am very interested, on the other hand, in seeing dead things live So how about we walk out of death and into life this week? And how about we remember that favor is found on the way? I'm in point number five now. Have you noticed my tone this morning? It's a calmer tone. Why? Because point five was coming. Okay? So this could be potentially incendiary. So I spoke to my soul and said, be calm today so that you don't offend them so much with point number five that they don't hear it. Verse two now. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. So I want you here to notice that God commands something ridiculous. Tell all the Hebrew people to ask their neighbors for their gold and silver. In a country that over the course of the plague so far, has been completely economically devastated. Even in our own culture, what do we know about economic contraction? When the economy contracts, do people spend more or they spend less? They spend less, which causes the economy to contract even more. We call this a recession. If it gets really bad, it moves into a depression. So if you're one of the Hebrew people and your leader Moses comes to you and says, thus says the Lord, ask your neighbors for the last remaining vestiges of their earthly wealth, you would think, have you not seen what's just happened? So I just want to point out, you might have missed it, that this is a ridiculous thing to command. God God loves to command his people to do ridiculous things. He's been commanding Moses and Aaron to do ridiculous things throughout the plague so far. Now he goes for the jugular of the people. Command the people. Now the people have to do something ridiculous. God commands it. What's the next thing that happens? In the text, you see it right there. Moses speaks it. Now look, you know me. I'm not a prosperity preacher, but there is some truth in prosperity preaching, which is why it exists in the world and why it can become so popular because it resonates on some level as true in the hearts of God's people. It, of course, can become idolatrous and lead us into error. But it is true that until you speak something into existence, it doesn't really exist. God commands it, and then Moses speaks it. Moses finds the guts to speak it to the people of Israel. Maybe it's time, oh, receive it. Maybe it's time for you to speak something. Speak it over your life, speak it over your kids' lives. Oh, we just lost the power there, right? Are we still recording? Well, this one's still recording, so we're good. You can go and check the cameras. Oh, they're on battery, so we're good. So Devin, through the magic of editing, will cut this whole moment out of the sermon, and you won't ever see it. God commands, Moses speaks, the people obey, and then what? Then God blesses it. You could build that into a formula. God's commands, some leader speaks it, The people obey it and then God blesses it. The point being, receive it today. Favor is found along the way. So here's the hard part. Maybe you've heard somebody say, where is God? I never see him. I'll tell you where God is. God is out in the midst of the world, seeking and saving the lost and working towards the renewal of all things. There's at least a chance that the reason you don't see him is because you're hanging out with your churchy friends in your churchy culture, doing churchy things. Meanwhile, God, the God that we purport to follow, is out in the dark, bringing the light to prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners like me. There's at least a chance That the reason you don't see him is because you're not with him. You ever seen a kid following their parent around, like a kid who loves their parent and wants to be like their parent? They're in their hip pocket. Get yourself in God's hip pocket if you want to see him move. Somebody shout at your boy. Okay? I did that. I was friendly, right? That was all right. you want the favor of God? Go where God goes. Do what God does. And remember that God has stepped in. Ooh, this is powerful. God steps in halfway through the night. Verse four. Thus says the Lord, about midnight, I will go out in the midst of Egypt. Here it is in the Hebrew. Kechatzot halayla, ani betoch mitzrayim. Kechatzot. Chetzi is the word for half. Kechatzot <speaking American> halayla, at half the night. <speaking> ani <American language> I go out. Betoch <speaking American> mitzraim inside Egypt okay first of all this should turn your guts to jelly this is terrifying at halfway through the night I go out in the midst of Egypt you need to picture God stepping out of the eternal now into the present moment literally stepping out into the darkness of a slumbering Egypt to wreak his vengeance it's terrifying I step into Egypt halfway through the night here's the teachable point for you today and yes I'm interpreting it to some degree allegorically God tends to step in halfway through the nights why am I bold to preach an allegorical point because it's almost a biblical principle Hagar has turned her face away so that she will not see the death of her son Ishmael as he's dying of thirst after they've been banished from Abraham's house. And only then does somebody shout, does God step in with water. Jacob is hiding in the middle of the night on the other side of the river Yavok, waiting for his big brother Esau to come the next morning to take vengeance upon Jacob and his family. And in the midst of that dark night of the soul, b'chatzot halayla, God steps in to wrestle with him and only then to bless him. John the Baptist is spending the darkest of all his dark nights of the soul languishing in Herod's prison, waiting to die when he sends a message to Jesus to ask him, are you the one or should we look for another? Next time you feel hopeless and faithless, remember John the Baptist languishing in that prison. This is the greatest man who ever lived short of the Christ himself, sending messengers to the Messiah to ask if he was really the one, which is code for John the Baptist had all but lost his faith. And that's the worst of all the stories because relief never comes to John the Baptist. He loses his head and then awakens in the presence of his master. Tali is already dead when Jesus shows up in Mark chapter five. Did you know Tali Kumi is Tali, get up. Her name's not Talitha Kumi. it was like, what a complicated name, no, it's Tali, which is a very common Jewish name. Kumi, Takumi, get up, Talita, Kumi, Talitha Kumi. She was already dead before Jesus got there and he was late with Lazarus too. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How many times have you heard that cry echoed in the context of your life? Okay? It's not the first time. Don't be threatened by people's disappointment. He shows receive oh, Can I preach today? Woo! He shows up halfway through the night. I don't like it any more than you. But the good news is oh, he shows up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Here's what he looks like when he shows up, by the way, in the penultimate sense. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is tatted up King Jesus wearing his own swag because he's just that awesome. He's wearing swag with, oh, he's wearing swag with his own name on it. I love it. And look, if this picture of warrior Jesus makes you afraid, good, because you should recoil in horror at El Shaddai Unleashed, which is exactly what's going to happen next week. And God speaks it into being here in verses four through seven. Moses said, thus says the Lord, about midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. Every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh to the firstborn of the slave girl. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt such as there has never been nor ever will be again, but not even a dog shall growl against my people that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Okay, hear this, don't miss this. I will go out in the midst of Egypt and every firstborn of the land of Egypt shall die. Here's the paradox, the same God who welcomes children, the downtrodden, the marginalized and the oppressed like a loving parent is the God who goes out like the angel of death in the midst of his enemies. I wanna invite you to consider worshiping the right Jesus. I wanna invite you to consider remembering the words of C.S. Lewis. The eternally memorable words of C.S. Lewis, speaking of Aslan, the Christ figure, he is not a tame lion. And remember that the pain is real. Verse six, there shall be a great cry such as there has never been before nor ever will be again. So let's take the word at its word. The word here is saying that this is the worst cry of sorrow there ever was or ever will be. So we say amen to the word and then we say the holocaust was also pretty loud and myanmar is also pretty loud and the pain of every betrayed spousal partner is pretty loud and your neighbor who lost their job to covid is crying out pretty loud right so here's the point pain is real live with some compassion (sighs) and remember that yahweh is in the miracle business I'm hurrying here. I'm almost done. Point nine now. Yahweh's in the miracle business. Verse seven, part B. He's doing all this that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. We've already covered this. The word here for distinction is yifla, miracle. That you may know that Yahweh has miracles between Egypt and Israel. The great miracle is that God makes a distinction between those who are his people and those who are not. The invitation is open to all. And when you come to Jesus and you bow the knee to him, you confess your sins, you confess him as Lord, you invite his Holy Spirit to come into your life and to begin changing everything when you become his people you are now part of the people of god and everything changes for you because of what jesus has accomplished for you at his cross and in his resurrection the great feast we will celebrate coming up in two weeks that is the miracle of the gospel that god has made a distinction he has set you apart he has made you his own he has turned everything on its head point 10. This is what's happening in verse eight when Moses says to Pharaoh, and your people will come to me and bow down to me. I just want to point out that Pharaoh's people are going to bow to Moses. That's what God does. He loves the opposite game. Do you know this about him yet? He loves the opposite game. Okay, I can give you some proofs. We who were not a people, now the people of God. We who were now afar off, now brought near by the blood of the lamb. The meek shall inherit the earth, the foolish and the weak shame the wise and the strong. The lion lies down with the lamb and we beat our swords into plowshares. He was dead, he is alive. The story begins in a garden, it ends in a city. He loves the opposite game. And even so, some people just won't listen. Verse 9.11, Pharaoh will not listen to you. And Kath and Josh and Andy, you can join me because I'm done. Even so, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Here's the point. You may encounter some truly hard-headed people in your life even today. When you do, as your pastor, I want to give you permission. Sometimes you need to just walk away and pray. Okay, not right away. But once you've assessed that tr- truly there's hard hardness going on here sometimes it's okay to walk away and pray and in the meantime last point keep doing what you can do while waiting for God to do what only he can do I get this out of verse 10 as we close what happens in verse 10 Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land Here's the point of verse 10, it's kind of a catch-all verse, meant to drive home this one point. Moses and Aaron did what God told them to do, and God did what he said he'd do. Sounds like a pretty good way to live to me, amen? That's a pretty good way to live. Tunes to the voice of God, expecting intensity, remembering that victory is not if but when, divorced from your old life, Remembering that favor is found along the way, favor that is given by a God who steps in at midnight, a God who is very scary, but who empathizes deeply with our very real pain, a God who does miracles and is turning everything on its head, a God who many people you know still ignore, but not you, because you are keeping busy doing what he said for you to do. Why? Because you've made a plan and you're gonna stick to it. And somebody said, amen, hallelujah. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. I hope you're leaving feeling encouraged. If you have any questions for us or you'd like to pay us a visit, you can find all the info you need on our website, gracecommunity.ca.